Welcome back to the Great Raft Brewing Happy Hour, 100.7 FM at 1340 AM. The ticket. I'm your host, Ben Metz, coming to you from the Johnny's Pizza House Studios, high atop the boardwalk here in Bowser City. Great Raft opening the tap room on Sunday for a huge Camp Tiger benefit. Four bands on Sunday afternoon, including Shaliff and Logos and the Legendaries. I'll be there. Come check it out at the all-new Great Raft Tap Room. We're now joined on the Paul McMurray State Farm Insurance by James Moran, the editor of Tiger Rag, as we preview a massive week on the LSU Baton Rouge campus, the spring football game tomorrow, as well as a massive three-game baseball series at home against Texas A&M. What's up, Mr. Moran? How are you doing? Hey, Ben. How are you, Ben? Doing, doing well. Uh, probably not quite as busy as you are. And we'll start with the spring football uh, game. And, you know, the big story of the spring, as it's been, I think, for the last nine or ten springs, is, you know, the story of LSU opening up the passing game. But this year, with the hire of Joe Brady from the Saints, the passing game coordinator, and Joe Burrow, a returning quarterback, and a bunch of talented young receivers, I actually believe uh, it, there's some truth to the story here for once. Yeah, me too. I mean, look, I understand if people – have to see it to believe it because it, you're right. I mean, you could go back to probably every spring and there's some talk about, oh, well, this is a new offense. It's not the same old LSU offense. And then falls come around and they've, they've looked pretty much the same. But uh, I just think from talking to players, from listening to Ed Orgeron speak, um, from, from hearing about Joe Brady and then kind of looking at his resume and what he brings to the table, it, it's just much more specific. I mean, they're talking about four and five receiver sets. They're, We've seen him working on some different things and we've gotten to go to practice. Um, now, I don't expect them to show much of any of that in the spring game on, on Saturday, to be honest with you. I'm sure that's, people are going to be bummed out to hear that, but I think they're going to keep it as under wraps and put as little on tape as possible before Georgia Southern and August 31st and, and more, more importantly, Texas the week after that. I think that's such a pivotal game and I think they're going to do what they can to, you know, maybe they throw a couple of bubble screens out of some four wide sets to give the people a little bit of what they want. But I think for the most part, we're not going to see a ton of the RPO game. We're not going to see a ton of that on Saturday just because they, they're going to keep it under wraps and not open it up again until, uh, until August. Well, having Joe Burrow back as a second year as a starter, I mean, what he did so, he did a very good job in a tough situation last year. Wasn't there for spring, you know, had to crash course, learn the offense at fall camp, bunch of young receivers. You know, we saw the passing game improve as the season went on. Certainly had a good fiesta ball against Central Florida. But now, you know, he in year two of the offense with continuity with the receivers, I think the passing game could take a solid step forward in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, me too. I think the fiesta ball was probably a little bit of a a teaser of what uh, what could be to come. I mean, LSU is bringing back almost their entire receiving core. Uh, they lost Foster Morrow at tight end, but they think they got some athletic guys that could maybe play roles there. I'm not going to go too too hard on that because I, I think we've that's another movie we've seen before. The, the tight ends are going to be more involved. That's another spring <laughs> trope, I guess, on a yearly basis. But uh, with Burrow back, and look, I mean, RPOs, spread stuff, that's what Joe Burrow is comfortable running. I mean, he he grew up at Ohio State learning from Urban Meyer. I mean, that's where he spent the first two years, three years of his career before he wound up at LSU. So I think he is probably the most comfortable of anybody doing that doing that stuff. And to me, the wide receivers are going to be important, how they kind of pick up what's, what's probably a little bit of a more complicated offense. And we've heard that they are being cross-trained where everybody needs to know how to play every position because they want more versatility, more depth when they go up-tempo. Um, so that it'll be interesting to see. But really, to me, the, how good this offense is going to be comes down to the offensive line. I mean, 
I, I think Burrow has shown you that he can make plays when he has time. He can he can run around a little bit. He's he's mobile. He can run the football. He can he can make all the throws. They have playmakers that can make plays down the field. And Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and and the rest of that group. How how can they keep him upright? How good are they in pass protection? Because when you look at their three losses last year, Florida, Alabama, Texas A and M, they gave up 16 sacks in those three games, and that just that's too much. That can't happen. So I think this offense has a chance to be really good. I, I honestly believe that. But to me, what's going to make or break this team between being a good team, a very good team, or a great team is that offensive line. Yeah, and, and certainly, uh, as you mentioned, they got dominated up front in those losses. And what I would like to ask, I guess you're probably not going to be able to tell us too much on this because how private the practice has been, but Taurus Marshall, huge following up here, you know, was one of the top prep receivers in the country before that, that bad ankle injury, his senior year at Parkway. Uh, what have you heard about him so far in spring? I, we've heard that he's healthy, and I think once he's healthy and, you know, gets some practices in and then gets a chance to really show what he can do, that he's going to, I think he's got a real chance to emerge as that third guy. I mean, look, there's a lot of guys. You're going to see D. Anderson and Stephon Sullivan and Derek Dillon once he gets healthy. And, you know, maybe they're going to mix in Devonta Lee and Trey Palmer when they get here this summer. But I think the two main guys are going to be Justin Jefferson, obviously. He's, he's a bona fide number one at this point. And Jamar Chase, who we really saw that star potential from. But I think Marshall has a chance to be that third guy. I mean, he's so big. He's so able to make plays up in the air or down the field. Uh, we've heard he can make plays after the catch. I just think last year was kind of a between the learning curve of learning college football and also coming back off that devastating injury. I wouldn't call it a lost year because I think he got experience that helps, but I would expect him to be more of a player this year. Well, on that offensive line, coming back to that, because I agree with you, that's my biggest concern as well. Are there a lot of position battles in spring? How are they feeling about the situation? Um, well, I mean, they returned four starters, but I, I think one of those starters is going to have to sing for their supper, so to speak. I mean, the, we've heard good things about Sadiq Charles coming back at left tackle. Uh, apparently, he's improved his footwork, which is good because he really struggled last year. Uh, left guard is kind of an open competition at this point. Chase on Hines is obviously the most experienced guy. He played there a lot last year, but he's out for the spring with an injury, so Adrian McGee's been playing there. They also think maybe a guy like uh, Cardell Thomas or Anthony Bradford could compete for that job. Two big, big, big freshmen. But I mean big, I mean large people uh, who will get here over the summer. Lloyd Cushenberry and Damian Lewis were the rocks of that line last year. They're not going anywhere. And that right tackle competition between Austin Deculus and Badara Treyor, I think, is is really important because they, they, had, they had a lot of pressure coming through on that right side at times last year. And those guys, whether it's one of them or both of them, depending on if LSU is going to rotate or share the job, or one guy takes it and runs with it, somebody needs to get better over there because that was a, a those tackle spots were really the undoing of this line last year. Well, on the defensive side, I don't have too too many questions about what Dave Aranda, this LSU defense, is going to do. I feel very good about the secondary and Jacob Phillips, the next in that line of uh, LSU linebackers. I think he there's a good chance he could be an All American this year if he stays healthy. Um, well, he's not going to play Saturday, obviously. He's been out for pretty much the whole spring, though. He practiced a little bit the other day. Uh, I'm really curious to see who's playing those linebacker spots with, with Phillips out. I mean, Patrick Queen seemed like he was really taking the lead and taking a leadership role earlier in the spring, but this last week, uh, they actually moved Mike Divinity inside from his outside linebacker spot because they got needed somebody that was loud and kind of forceful as a communicator. So I'm, I'm curious what they do there. Um, you know, obviously, the defensive line, it's going to be hard to tell much of anything with guys like Rashard Lewis and Neil Farrell out. 
Uh, Braden Fajoko is going to play, but I don't know how much he's going to play because he's obviously coming back from that elbow or bicep injury last year. Uh, and on the defensive backfield, I mean, I, just, I think we all want to get a look at Derek Stingley. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, we've heard so much about him. We want to see him lock up with a, with a Jefferson or a Chase or somebody like that and, and see what he can do. I mean, I think we all understand how, how good he is based on what we've heard, what we saw from him in high school and it's kind of the rave reviews he's gotten. But I think there's a very real chance he's this team, one of this team's starting cornerbacks uh, from opening day on next year. And I think this is kind of our first real look at him in a, in a live setting for LSU. I'm also excited. He obviously isn't a part of spring either. Chase on coming off that torn ACL. I'm excited to see him back in the fall rushing the passer because that's you know they didn't have that premium edge rusher last year. No, definitely. I think he's he's not going to play tomorrow. I mean, he's they're taking it slow with him for for pretty obvious reasons. We've seen him run around some, and he's looked pretty good doing that. But no contact for him until the fall, which is probably smart. I, I would. Like I said, the offensive line is the key to me on that side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, it's Caleb on chase on. If he could be a difference maker as an edge rusher, I think you see where the rest of this defense, where the there's the parts for this group to be special. But if you can't rush the passer, it really kind of limits everything else you can do. If you don't have that one guy that can win one-on-one and, and get after the quarterback, it means you have to blitz. It means you have to you know, move different guys around and try to do different things. If you have that one guy that can just beat a tackle and, and get after the quarterback, that's, that's about as important of a thing as you can have on defense. And to me, that's why Chase is really the key on that side of the ball. But, again, we're not going to see him tomorrow. Talking to James Rand of Tiger Rag on the Paul McMurray State Farm Insurance Hotline. Uh, let's switch it over to LSU baseball. And, you know, I know LSU had been a little inconsistent, uh, dealt with a lot of injuries to pitching staff. And But last week we saw the, the last two games in Starkville on the road against number 2 Mississippi State. We saw them get it together the last couple of games. Looked very strong. And uh, could this be – it's it's such a shallow way of looking at LSU's baseball seasons, but these pulmonary teams, you know, kind of start slow, figure it out. We've been known to see them get hot around this time of year into May. Could that could that uh, series and start will hopefully be the beginning of that? Yeah, I mean, there's also – I mean, at this point, it just seems like they, they play well whenever they see Mississippi State. I mean, they – I think now that's something like 11 at series wins over them in, in pulmonary's time here. Maybe it might even be 12. I'm, I might be misquoting that. But it seems like that team always brings out the best of them. But and we have this conversation every year, Ben. I mean, yeah, these teams are going to get better. He, he's, a, he's a big believer in experimenting or giving guys chances to try to figure out who you can count on and who you can't. And then by the end of the year, they're normally getting better. I mean, look, they're still missing three pretty important arms in Landon Marso, Jaden Hill, and and Chase Costello, guys who they thought were going to be part of the rotation or in integral parts of the bullpen, but they're just figuring it out right now. I mean, really, Cole Henry's probably been maybe this team's most valuable player. I mean, since he went into the weekend rotation against Cal, the weekend rotation has been very good. I mean, look, Zach Cass is, you know, Zach Cass' experience is going to be what it is. There's weeks where he's going to look like he's the best pitcher in college baseball. There's going to be weeks where he gives up too many home runs. There's going to be weeks where he throws too many pitches. That's I think you just know what you're getting at this point. He's going to more times than not give you a chance to win on Friday night, and that's that's really what you ask for. Henry's been a a revelation on Saturday. I mean, with with Marceau and Hill, who were thought to be ahead of him coming into the season, both out. He's he's taken that job and and run with it. And I think really what you've seen from Eric Walker the last couple of weeks, especially last Saturday in Starkville, is he starting to look like the old Eric Walker? I mean, his his velocity's up a bit. His control is better. He's got more bite on that changeup and breaking ball. 
And when he's good, I mean, he's he's as good as any Sunday guy you're going to find. I mean, that's that was his track record back when he was a freshman All-American. He's he's really good in those rubber matches. He's he's a great guy to throw in those Sunday games. Um, you're also seeing guys like Devin Fontenot emerge as a closer. And, you know, really, I mean, Todd Peterson's had some ups and downs, but pretty much everybody else on this team is pitching very well right now. I mean, they're getting really good innings out of guys like Matt Beck and, and Trent Bittmeyer and Clay Moffitt. I mean, this team, sh- it, it's kind of like I think this, team, this pitching staff's been a little bit galvanized by the, uh, the losses of some of maybe their, their more hyped-up guys. It seems like everybody's really stepping up and pulling their own weight right now, and that's, that's been as much as anything uh, a reason why this team's kind of turned it around of late. Well, also good to see Antoine Duplantis. I believe he's got 300 hits now in his in his college career and uh, setting some SEC hitting records. Well deserved. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he was in a slump for a while, but he's just too way way too good of a hitter for you to think he's going to struggle for very long. I mean, now what's going to be interesting this weekend and next weekend? LSU is going to face five left-handed pitchers, at least maybe six, in their next six SEC games against A and M and Missouri. And that starts with two really tough lefties and John Duxaxis and, uh, and Asa Lacey in the next two days against, uh, against A&M. And LSU currently, um, they're without Daniel Cabrera, who's dealing with a wrist injury. And they're going to have six lefties, at least, in their lineup against those lefties. So that's, that's a little bit tough. It's not ideal. Um, but the fact that guys like Duplantis and Smith and Chris Reed all hit lefties, kind of, you don't worry so much about them, but... I think what's going to make or break LSU this weekend, obviously, number one is pitching. They got to keep pitching like they've been pitching because A&M staff is really good. It's not going to be a lot of uh, 10-9 games this weekend, I don't think. But you also need to get see what you can get out of guys like Giovanni DiGiacomo and, and C.J. Willis and Cade Beloso, who are going to have to be in some tough lefty-on-lefty situations maybe for the first real time in their career, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle those. And big series here against a solid Texas A&M team, and I know we always say it's it's no shock to see so many team SEC teams rank, but I believe it's something like ten of the top twenty five right now. I mean, it's crazy how yeah the how, league's just loaded. I mean, yeah, LSU, A and M, the two Mississippi schools, all really good in the West. Auburn even he has maybe the best pitcher in the league right now, and Tanner Burns. I mean, Florida had their little struggles early, but now they seem like they figured it out. I mean. The league is, and I know we, we, like you said, we say this every year probably, but it just seems like it gets tough for every year. I mean, Alabama is struggling like they, they seem to normally be, but nobody else is. Yeah, it's a very, very tough league. Florida up at Ole Miss, a series I'm going to be keeping a close eye on this weekend as well. What a busy weekend it is on the campus in Baton Rouge because I believe there's a big track meet Uh uh, what there's a whole bunch of other stuff too. I saw it's gonna be there's a, a gymnastics can... regional. I think there's some tennis stuff maybe, but I will just be doing football and baseball. So if uh, follow me on Twitter at SmartestBrand, I'll keep you uh, up to date on all those things. Well, well, James, we always appreciate you joining us weekly on Mixing It Up with Mints. Keep up the great work at Tiger Rag, and thanks again. No problem, Ben. Talk to you later. Talk to you next week, buddy. Heck yeah. James Moran, the editor of Tiger Rag. You can follow him on Twitter at Smartest Moran. If you're an LSU baseball fan, you follow this man. He does a heck of a job covering it. We're taking a quick